0: Thank you, Miss Lisa, and we do need him now. I need him right now. (laughs) Good to see you today. Glad that you're in the Lord's house. Open your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 12. Uh, During the summer months, I've been uh, looking at parables found in Luke's gospel. Today we're going to look at a parable in Luke chapter 12, talking about breaking the grip of greed in our life. I, I don't know if you realize it, but every day there is a battle going on for a top spot in your heart. Uh, the things of this world, materialism, possession, wealth, uh, it's vying for your attention. It, it's trying to reach out and grab your heart and be first place in your life. Uh, we are bombarded every single day with, uh, with attacks from the, the media and people who are selling things and politicians. Uh, they're wanting your attention. They're wanting top spot in your heart. And then there's God. He has to be number one in your heart. Do do you know who wins? The the one you let be top spot in your heart. And today Jesus talks about that in a parable uh, about money and about stuff. Really, Jesus talked about money and possessions as much as he talked about any other issue. He never shied away from challenging people to use their possessions and their prosperity for the kingdom of God. You see... Money can either be hazardous or helpful to us. It can either diminish our soul or it can develop our soul. And that's true whether we're an adult with a huge stock portfolio or if we are a student with a little money that we've gained from an allowance or a part-time job. Money is important because we trade it for what we value, for what we think is important. So our money moves with our heart. And so what you do with your money is really a picture of your heart. And that's what Jesus means when he says later in Luke chapter 12, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your money goes, your heart is going. The way we spend money reveals if we love things more than we love God which ultimately destroys our soul, or if we love God more than we love things, which develops our soul. And what complicates this whole issue is something very powerful that Jesus refers to as greed. Now, what does greed look like? Well, Jesus masterfully drops one of these life stories on us, talking about greed in our life. We read about it in Luke chapter 12, beginning in verse number 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. This is a parable that my Sunday school teacher taught just a few weeks ago, and it inspired me to preach this particular message. So here's this guy in a crowd who said to Jesus, Jesus, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. "'Jesus replied, "'Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbitrator between you?' "'Then he said to them, "'Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. "'A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions.'" And then he told them this parable. "'The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. "'He thought to himself, "'What shall I do? "'I have no place to store my crops.'" Then he said, This is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, You have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take your life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich towards God. Now, the Bible says that covetousness, which is another word for greed, is actually idolatry. So this is all about who or what we worship. You see in these verses that Jesus is showing us that desires lead to decisions which ultimately lead to a destiny. So greedy desires lead to foolish decisions which leads to a dreadful destiny. On the other hand, godly desires lead to wise decisions which leads to a prosperous destiny. So let's talk about these three three things. First of all, let's talk about desires. Specifically, this desire that is called greed. Now let's get the context of Jesus' life story. Verse 13, someone in the crowd said to him, "'Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me.'" So Jesus is approached with this strange kind of request to settle this dispute over an inheritance. But Jesus declines to do that. Verse 14, Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbitrator between you? Now you might think this is kind of a crazy deal, and and I suppose it really is. But rabbis in Jesus' day were frequently expected to arbitrate legal matters like this. But Jesus knew that this was not a legal issue that could be settled in some kind of courtroom. No, this was a spiritual issue that needed to be settled in the heart. Jesus understood that what was fueling this whole dispute was a sinful desire called greed. Did you know that family feuds often erupt over how an inheritance is divided? Uh, We don't have time this morning, but I could tell you some pretty good stories about funerals I've preached where the feud had already begun before the person was even in the ground. It's crazy how people act. I know families that have literally split over the greed of an inheritance. Greed is a powerful desire in the human heart, and it will cause good people to do some bad things. It will cause good people to do unthinkable things. And that's why, verse 15, Jesus said, Watch out. Now, I love how this appears in the NIV. Jesus said, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. So greed is an unquenchable thirst. For getting more and more and more of something we think we need for satisfaction or happiness. Money or the things money can buy. Like popularity or prestige or even power. Jesus tells us here that greed is destructive. When he says, be on your guard, it implies that there is something very harmful that we need to protect ourselves from. And it's greed. Listen to me, guys. Greed is an enemy of your soul. And the devil is using greed to consume your heart. So Jesus says to all of us, Be on your guard. Watch out. When you least expect it, (laughs) Expect it. It's coming in your life. Greed is also diverse. Jesus said, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. There's the greed fueled by the ambition just to impress other people. There's the greed that is fueled by the need for self-esteem and security that we think we gain when we have stuff around us. There's the greed that is fueled by the love of pleasure that comes from the things and the stuff that money can buy. There are all kinds of greed. So be on your guard. Greed is also deceptive. It can sneak up on us and bite us. In another of his parables, Jesus talked about the deceitfulness of riches. And by that he means there is a subtlety about the temptation for greed and covetousness when we really begin to believe and convince ourselves that money and stuff is the essence of life and that my life really consists of the things that I have that's not true that's a lie i've got something in my pocket besides my chapstick I'm pulling it out right here. Wow. Can you see that? $100 $100 bill. One of you are missing it from your pocket. I borrowed it. No, not really. Hey, did you know that money talks? Have you ever heard that expression? Money talks. That means if you've got enough of these things, you can just about have anything you want. If you've got enough of these, you can have the best seat this next Tuesday at Major League Baseball All-Star Game. You know why? Money talks. Money talks. But you know what? Money talks to us. She's talking to me. (laughs) What, What does money say to us? Money says stuff like this if you don't have me, you really don't have life. Money says to us, you need me because I am your life. And if you don't have me, you really don't have anything. So if you do anything in your life, you make sure you get plenty of me. That's how money talks to us. And that's what this man's inheritance was saying to him. But you know what? You know what that is? That's a big, fat lie. You know how I know that? Because what Jesus said in verse 15b, he says, A man's life, a woman's life, does not consist in the abundance of their possessions. Life is not having things. Life is having God. Life is knowing God. But did you know that desires don't stop with just desires? Desires lead to decisions. Evil desires lead to foolish decisions. Godly desires will lead us to wise decisions. Now here is where Jesus sets down the parable alongside this principle. It shows how the desires we have drive the decisions that we make. And you just think about that. Isn't it true? Our desires drive our decisions. Verse 16, he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. Now I want you to note something that we usually don't point out when we read this passage, but it's here. It is the ground that produced the good crop. There was an exceptional growing season. The right amount of rain fell. The the ground was fruitful and it produced a plentiful harvest. The good crop was because of God's grace. I mean, that's it. The reason this guy had a bumper crop was because of the blessings of God. But that never enters this guy's mind. The bad in this parable is not that the farmer had a great year. And I'll say to you, it's not bad when you have a good year. There's nothing bad with you getting a promotion. There's nothing bad with you getting a pay raise. There's nothing bad about your stocks increasing in value. So, verse 17, this guy thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Now, here's where the problem begins. He thought to himself. Huh? He's in the process of making a decision of how he's going to handle his new prosperity. Okay? Have you ever just been daydreaming and, and wondered what you would do if, uh, if you inherited all of a sudden, let's say, two million bucks? Huh? You have this uncle that you never knew about. Nobody in the family knew him. They wrote him off. He didn't have any kids. He had moved away to some foreign country. And all of a sudden, it shows back up that uh, he died and he left a will. And you get everything he had, two million bucks. Have you ever thought about that? Come on. Have you ever thought about just your ship coming in and you getting rich and wealthy all in a moment? Have you ever thought about that? Come on, have you? (laughs) Okay. I'm getting your motor going now. You're thinking about that. Let me ask you this. In your mind, what did you do with it? Okay, Don't say it out loud. But what did you do with it? What is this man going to do with it? This man talks to himself. His thoughts are filled with selfishness and pride. You don't believe that, just go back and reread the story and count all the personal pronouns in his little self-help talk that he gave himself. Depending on what translation you're using, there's as many as a dozen of them in there. He steps out into a slippery slope. His pride and his selfishness give way to self-indulgent decision-making. In verse 18, he said, This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to tear down my barns and I'm going to build bigger ones. And there I'm going to store all of my grain and all of my goods. The circle of his life was reduced to a dot. And that's all that mattered to him. Was to enjoy the stuff that these possessions could afford. It never once occurred to this man that he could use some of his increase to help out people who were needy. I mean, just down the road, there could have been a family who just lost the the breadwinner, the the man, the husband. Maybe the dad just died. This guy could have gone down there and given the widow enough money to take care of her kids and to, to clothe their children. But no, he didn't even think about that. He didn't think about helping anyone else out. He never once thought about, you know what? I can use some of this to glorify and honor God. Verse 19, I'll say to myself, Self, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. You see, it's not just that the man built bigger and better barns. That's not the problem. It is that he then depended on those things to really produce happiness in his life. He was depending on his possessions to bring him fulfillment and ultimate happiness in life. So he built bigger and better barns. And here's what he's saying by his decision. I value, I treasure relaxing and eating and drinking and having fun. That is what my life is all about. And these riches that I have accumulated and put in those barns are going to make all of that possible. And the words of Jesus ring in our ears. A man's life does not consist of the abundance of his possessions. And so this man's greedy desires led to a very foolish decision which led to a destiny. Now, desires lead to decisions, decisions lead to a destiny. And in this case, this man's destiny is not a good one. (laughs) In fact, it is probably the worst one imaginable that we could even think about. Because in verse 20, God said to him, You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? You know what we're talking about here? We are talking about ultimate failure in life. Now, I know people who are living under the illusion that they are successful. You know why? Because they have everything this world says that you need to have to be successful. Yet they're deceived. They're really a failure because they have failed to invest in the right things. This man lived without God, this man died without God, and this man spent eternity without God. You know what that is? H-E-L-L. It's hell. He lived without God, he died without God. He spent eternity without God. And do you realize that for each one of us, one day our lives are going to be demanded of us? Our earthly life will end? What then? What then? Verse 21, Jesus says, This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself. In other words, you make the wrong investments, you will pay for it and I'm talking about with your life, eh? but is not rich towards God. This is how it's going to be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich towards God. So there is a destiny for people who choose to live life as if earthly possessions and pleasures are everything. And there is a different destiny for people who choose to live like people who are rich toward God. Now, what in the world does that mean? To be rich toward God? Well, we are told in 1 Timothy chapter 6 this. Command them to do good. To be rich in good deeds. And to be generous and willing to share. In this way they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. So to be rich toward God is to live my life like I know that my life was made for God, not for the stuff that money buys. Being rich toward God means my heart is drawn toward God as my real riches. It means counting my life in God more valuable than anything on this earth. It means that I use the riches that God has given me to show how much I value God and the things that are important to Him. And this is what this prosperous farmer failed to do. He was a fool. And because of that, he lost his own soul. So, how can we be rich toward God? I'd like to know that, wouldn't you? How can I be rich toward God? Well, I'm going to give you five ways as I close. Number one, you seek and treasure Jesus Christ every day. You want to be rich toward God? You seek and treasure Jesus Christ Every day. Philippians 3 8, Paul said, What is more? I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ as my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things and I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. So that means that every day I read my Bible, every day I pray, Every day I worship God, rejoicing that Jesus Christ is more important to me than anything else. It means that I seek Jesus every day. And every day I make sure Jesus is number one in my life. Number two, you guard your heart against materialism. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23 says, Above all else, guard your heart. For it is the wellspring of life. Jesus said to be on guard against greed and against materialism. You, you know what? It is so real, yet it is so subtle. It is amazing how, how, how in our world today, this kind of stuff, this materialism is just reaching out and trying to, to grab us. We can be so captured by greed. Greed wants to capture our heart. The devil is using greed and materialism and just the desire to have more stuff to pull you down. Instead, our hearts need to be captured by Christ and controlled by Christ. So guard your heart against materialism. Number three, pray about and trust God for every need that you have in your life. You don't really have to be rich to have to worry about greed and materialism. Greed can conquer your soul even if you're dirt poor and don't have anything. How? Well, it happens when we do not trust God to supply our needs. And instead, we worry and we fret. We worry and fret. How am I going to pay my bills? Where's the money coming from? How am I going to take my kid to the doctor? I don't have the money. And so all we're doing is consuming our mind with stuff and with things and with money. Philippians 4.19, Paul said, And my God will supply all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Jesus Christ. So you can have greed in your heart and be captured by materialism and and be broke if you're not trusting God. It it all comes back to trusting God. Are you trusting God to meet all of your needs? How can we be rich toward God? Number four, give habitually and give cheerfully. A couple of Bible verses. 1 Corinthians 16.2 On the first day of every week, each one of you And Paul is talking to the church here, he's talking to Christians. Each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income, saving it up so that when I come no collections will have to be made. What he's talking about is is every week, first day of the week on Sunday, every week giving back to God. Okay, All of us in here, I guess all of us, most of you in here receive a paycheck. Whether you paid weekly or whether you paid monthly or bi-week doesn't matter. He says every single week you bring something into the house of God in accordance to your income, which is 10%, and you give it back to God as an act of worship. Now, have you ever wondered why in the world did did he tell us to do it this way? Why do we have to give every week? I think it's for a very important reason. Every day of the week you're being bombarded with materialism. Every single moment of every single day, you're seeing it. to Keep up with the Joneses. You're nothing if you don't have this. Greed is trying to reach out and grab you. So every week, when you come into God's house, you need to remind yourself, you know what, this is not about the stuff of this world. It's about God. You need to remind yourself of what's really important. You need to remind yourself of who has blessed you with everything you have. And so you give habitually, but you also give cheerfully. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Every man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful, cheerful giver. Again, you're under, I understand this is coming from God. Without God, I wouldn't have any of this stuff. It's because of God's grace that I have this. So thank you, Lord. I'm giving it back to you. That's huh? cheerful. And then number five how to be rich towards God, we need to place some boundaries on our consumption. As Americans, we live in such a materialistic culture. As we watch television or as we surf the Internet, we are constantly bombarded with the lie that our lives will simply not be worth living if we don't have a bigger or a better this or that. And you know what that does? That breeds greed in our hearts. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. And in this way, we exchange our earthly riches for heavenly riches. And we become rich towards God. So what does all this mean? What does it come down to? Well, I think it comes down to this. Do you love God? Or do you love the things of this world? Because our desires lead to decisions which will ultimately lead to a destiny. So what do you desire? Is God number one in your heart? Is He reigning on the throne of your heart? Have have you exchanged the, the stuff of this world with the riches only Christ can give. That that is the currency that's going to be used in heaven, the riches of Christ. So do you know Jesus? Is he number one in your heart? Have you given him all the things and stuff of your life? Are you trusting him? Heavenly Father, I pray right now as each one of us